0: hi everyone welcome to the go within podcast my name is Yasmin, and this episode is a juicy one it's an interview with my good friend luke vella and i've been wanting to bring you this conversation for quite a while not only because Luke is a dear friend of mine and someone who I really connect with on a spiritual basis, but also because Luke is a super inspiring soul. Uh, He lives his life in a very conscious way. And I feel like a lot of his lifestyle is maybe going against the grain of what many of our generation tend to do. And I really admire his strength and his authenticity on that journey. Before we jump in, I want to just let you all know that I've launched a four-week course for people who are feeling a bit stressed, anxious, burnt out. It's called the Stress Reset and I'm pretty excited about it because it's all my favorite things (laughs) and all the things that helped me recover from my own burnout and really deal with stress. It's all the things that helped me put into this lovely four-week course Basically, in the in the crux of it, it's a weekly workshop, which is going to be a group activity, things like a tea ceremony, some archetypal work, some breath release, lots of different things that are going to give you an experience of yourself and an experience of inner peace. And alongside that, there's going to be obviously yoga, meditation classes, treatments, use of the spa, all that juicy stuff that we give at Sanya, and also an online portal where you can work through some meditation, breathing videos, some yoga, nidra, relaxations, and all of this kind of stuff. Basically, it's everything you need to really arm yourself (laughs) against the tide of stress that is our modern society lives. As you guys know, my whole message in this podcast is about going within. And this is what this course is. And and sometimes it takes a health challenge or stress and anxiety or something like a breakup to really push us to take that step within. Ideally, it wouldn't be that way, but once it is that way, (laughs) we do have to take the opportunities that these challenges give us. And in this course, I hope to equip you best so that you can not only deal with these challenges, but actually come out even better, because this is what I believe when you go within life gets better in every sphere, your health, your levels of fulfillment, your creativity, your productivity, it all, you know, it's not easy, (laughs) but it is so worth it. So I hope to see some of you lovely listeners of this podcast on that course. So yeah, this is a conversation about Luke's story. He has quite an intense and amazing journey of healing, journey within, sparked by an accident that he he went through, a trauma that he went through. So it's very much the typical go-within story really from Luke's unique perspective. So I hope you'll enjoy it. As always, I humbly request you to share this episode with anyone who needs a little bit of encouragement. We all do, really and truly. It never hurts to get inspired by what other people do are doing and really give us that kindle to our fire. And Kindle for our inspiration to keep going within, because I do really believe that that is the way of fulfillment, is just coming into a more intimate relationship with ourselves. So I hope this episode inspires you to do so. As always, your feedback and comments are really touching to my heart. Here it is. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Luke. So, Luke, welcome. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to the podcast. I'm really super excited to sit down and chat with you because this podcast is all about the inner journey going within. And I feel like you are a person that has really reflected and made a lot of transformations in your life. You've been through some quite intense challenges that really brought you into a relationship with yourself. And you know, our our friendship has been a real you know, blessing to me. I'm very grateful for our friendship. And I think we've experienced spirituality in very different ways, yet there's at the essence is the same. And I think that's really beautiful. And I want to give this message to people that spirituality is different for everyone. There's no right or wrong, but it's up to you, you know, to to just say yes to that which is coming into your life in whatever way that may be. So I'm really happy to share your story and uh, yeah, I'd like to really jump in like quite at the beginning because I think, I mean, where is the beginning really? But I think maybe around the time of your life in London, maybe you can just share a little bit about where you are at, your state of mind, and I think, would you say that was the beginning of your journey um, more or less?
1: I mean, when I had moved out, I was uh, very much of a rebel at home, and... Um, The excessive love that my parents wanted to give me sort of pushed me more away and it pushed me away to London. I mean, I had some of my best friends living over there. It was an amazing experience to move there and like go for this challenge, you know. I was offered a job in a very well known um, hotel in, in London. And uh, for me, over there, it was a huge, massive opportunity for a learning curve to enter into the world of hospitality. You know, I had dropped out of school at the age of 15, 15, 16. Like, I have no O levels, no A levels, no, no degrees, nothing. And, uh, Um, The hospitality industry, I really enjoyed it. I loved serving people. I loved being and making people happy when serving them food, which they enjoy and whatnot. And uh, London was a very good place to start and put on my resume. And uh, I had gotten this opportunity. I moved to London. However, when I moved to London, I was uh, very far away from spirituality and God. So um, uh, over there, when I was in London, um, I pretty much um, felt like all that I had, like whatever, all I was brought up in, the lifestyle was the Catholic home lifestyle. I had um, totally forgotten it. And my ego went high. I I was um working then in a cocktail bar where i did a lot of tips there was like you know i had different relationships and uh, you know i was like a free man and like doing whatever i wanted you know and um, and i never managed to save any money it was you know like just like work and save work and save work to the paycheck comes and you just like party enjoy life and um, until I remember my friends were organizing a party here in Malta and uh, they were uh, out one night here in Malta and they decided to pull in and uh, collect money in a hat to buy flights to get me down to Malta and uh, and I remember when this happened I found out from my boss when he was working out the roster He's like, and you're off Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm like, what? (laughs) He's like, look at this. And a friend of mine, Justine, had sort of, um, and and Steve, I remember also, they they decided to contact my mom, and together they they bought me this flight. I came down, and um, when I came down, um, uh, we were... It was the, the the night of the event. Over there, I was involved in a very um, bad fire accident. Those that know me and probably were there, they remember this. And over there, the turning point started. You know, it was um, uh, this fire accident which made me hospitalize, hospitalized for around two months and made me reflect a lot with where I was and what where I'm heading and what I'm going to do, you know? Do you mind was, telling
0: us like what happened in the accident?
1: Uh, no, basically I was setting up um, the, the atmosphere with Fiakoli and I was very, very careless and uh, I was um, using petrol, which is very dangerous to use, to use with Fiakoli and it was so dark I wasn't realizing that I wet my hand with uh, petrol my hands were getting wet and um, uh, as soon i then i I, I put i lined up all the fiacoli with the cloth and the sand near each other so i light them up i put the jerry can back in its place near the generator and uh, i went to light it up and as soon as i went to light it up with my left hand my right hand caught on fire so it was so wet that the fumes were Um, uh, the fumes arrived to the flame and my right hand caught on fire and I dropped the lighter and the fire ran through to the jerrycan and uh, over there my hand is on fire (laughs) and uh, first thing that came to my mind I saw the jerrycan on fire and I don't know how I just thought that this is going to explode on everyone so I got the jerrycan with my hand on fire and I went to throw it off the cliff and when doing so, the handle melted of the jerrycan and the petrol fell on my face. So then I'm like, my face burning, a lot of chaos, panic and like, you know, people were arriving for the party, more chaos, everyone's like, a lot of, you know, chaos. And um, after I switched off, I I couldn't um, until uh, the fire burnt I couldn't switch it off it's not like you roll and you switch it off petrol like it goes into your skin like a sponge until it burns all it it won't switch off and uh, when then I switched off I guess with all that adrenaline that was going on I wasn't feeling any pain and I just like wanted my time my space and I just walked away like we're in Meleha. and uh, I, I had this moment, which was that—that that was the beginning. I—I—I I, I fell on my knees at that time, and in that split second, like of you just falling down on your knees and looking up, like, like, is this the reason that I had to be here for me to pass through this? Like, it was, you know what I mean? It's like I it, at that moment, be like, is this why you wanted me here? You just ask. God or like is this it you know and uh, then everyone was coming like and and they're like hey let's take you out of here and so on and then I had some friends that drove me out from where we are and uh, the ambulance came and took me to hospital. And I didn't want to tell my parents. I tried to prolong it <laughs> as much as possible. And then the nurse came and was like, listen, you've been here nine hours. We need to call your parents, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my parents arrived. And as soon as I will never forget their expression on their face when they saw me, I had yet haven't seen my face properly and how I was, my skin was reacting to the fire then. And uh, as soon as my, the curtain opened, my parents came in. Like They were like... Instead of, like, I, I was so fearful that they were going to be like, ah oh, I did it again, you. My mom just, like, said, can you wiggle your toes? Can you wiggle your hands? She's like, don't worry. We're going to get through this together, you know. And till, till this experience, my relationship with my parents was very distant, and they were sort of, spirituality at home was very force fed to us, you know. Um, it was it never came naturally or like I would do it with my f- with my family in a different way, you know, but so cuz they forced it down my throat so much, it's like I, I re- rejected it. So there was that, you know. I was um, uh, rebel is because they always wanted to give me a you and if I don't stick to it I sleep out on the streets so I always had this thing with them but when I moved away our relationship improved but still there wasn't that intimacy and uh, through this fire accident it was I can say that was my first time that I fell in love with my parents you know it was the first time that I saw my mom and my dad's dedication to taking care of me and being positive, and that was half of the medicine that um, started healing. You know, my 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 everything. Gosh, like you know, I mean, I was really pretty scarred. You know, my face was very it was horrible. You know, and I had really bad scars. So. It was my parents and some of my friends which started giving me, feeding me material to help me go within, you know, and uh, um, uh, giving me books and suggesting authors that can help me um, during the sealing process, you know.
0: So would you say that the fire accident... In a way, even though you were wounded physically, did it also open up this sort of emotional and inner wound at the same time?
1: Um, Yes, I mean, because then I was, uh, after I did two months in hospital and I had to move back to London, I had lost my ego. I had lost who I was, like the girls, which like we used to flirt and not like do the this you know, like... Everyone looked at me like, whoa, look, whoa, look, you know, you start feeling that. In fact, and I asked for them to move me from the cocktail bar to house out to room service, where I just take food orders and um, just like manage the kitchen inside hidden doors, you know. And uh, yes, but my character started to change. I, I became more humble. I, the pain, constant pain that during the healing process humbled me more, you know. Um, uh, But when I moved to London, when I was in hospital, light came through with an opportunity. And uh, my boss that I had in London, Kurt. Um, uh, had got an opportunity to move to Libya and to work in uh, with a Maltese company um, uh, to build this like, gated community in, in Tripoli. And he stopped by at hospital and he gave me this opportunity to become restaurant manager of like three restaurants in this gated community, everything five star deluxe type of thing. And over there, it was the light that I had to like something to look forward to, you know. And uh, so when I went to London, I just had to do my work and just wait to see if I got the job, then do my last, um, uh, you know, um, couple of weeks and resign. And uh, so then I then yeah I came to Malta. and I had that opportunity with in Libya. But spirituality, I still wasn't there. You know, I was seeking, but I haven't yet found the right path. And I wanted to just prove my parents wrong that Jesus isn't the only way to God. At that time, you know, and. Uh, So I was seeking other places, basically.
0: And then I think Libya was also like quite a step in your healing process. I
1: know Libya, then (laughs) Libya. um, uh, It was a culture shock, obviously. And uh, c- coming from London to somewhere, <laughs> a, bit of a contrast. A contrast where they pray five times a day, and everything revolves around prayer. No
0: alcohol, I imagine. No
1: alcohol, only like the illegal one that you can get on the black market. For us, expects that we're living there. Um, but yeah. Uh, Um, they they made me reflect a lot on their dedication to prayer, you know. Um, I was building a team of people which they needed five times a day during their shift, let's say, to stop three times to go and pray. So even if you're in the shit, like (laughs) during service, they come with their mat, they're like, I need to go pray. And you'd be like sweating, you're like, go pray, you know. But um, uh, that subconsciously was um, uh, creating something you know it was like seeing like how dedicated they are like everything revolves around prayer you know there were people that weren't dedicated to their um, prayer but um, um, there were a lot of people that were in So and uh, I remember it was very difficult for me to gain their respect and their um, authority me being their manager until Ramadan came. And I decided to, as a challenge, not as a spiritual thing, and to be, since we're a team, I wanted to do it with them. I'm like, I want to do Ramadan with you, you know? And uh, over there, I gained a lot of respect from them, and uh, it was beautiful to experience this. In the meantime, I had started, there was an aspect that was doing twin heart meditation, where they recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, which is Lord make me an instrument of peace, light, you know, that prayer. And uh, over there, I started then finding time to myself to meditate and reflect on, you know, I started going back into like digging in spirituality and whatnot. And uh, that was going well until uh, then I was invited for a wedding to go to the Philippines for a wedding of a friend of mine. And uh, like two days after we left, the war broke out in Libya and we couldn't return back to Libya. So then I moved back to Malta and uh, I was in Malta sort of uh, seeing what I'm going to do next.
0: Can I ask you, Sophie, if you don't mind, that time when you were sort of healing from your scars and I'm sure it was quite challenging like to get through your face being scarred you know your identity so many things like and you hadn't yet really found that spirituality like Mm -hmm. what how did you cope with that challenge
1: Uh, so when people ask me like how or they look at me or they ask me about the scars I mean uh, uh,
0: not so so much when people look uh, but just like you yourself uh, you know like being scarred is a bit traumatic as well. Like your identity has shifted in a way, like I'm sure there was some emotional pain at what you lost. And, yeah. and how did you cope with that side <sighs> of it?
1: It's funny you ask me this question because um, it was a girl that helped me cope with this. Um, uh, it was a girl which we had, she was um, uh, Muslim. She was working. So, cause this one, it happened after the fire accident, I healed. I then got back onto my feet, you know, and I moved to Libya after London and whatnot. So there was a few months that I, my scars were healing a bit quicker, you know, but I still had no confidence. You know, there wasn't, I wasn't seeking anything from God to fill me up, you know, so I was still amateur at this, you know, so, but there was a girl which um, uh, she was the one that like sort of, the first one that filled my scars and like and touched my my skin and asked me and built a friendship with me and uh, the friendship became more intimate and um, then I was like being led by her um, uh, through the Quran so she used to hiddenly come to my house without anyone knowing because obviously it was very serious. This and she we used to go through the Quran together, and like so. But it was me, just like wanting to be liked by her. It wasn't like me trying to find God through the Quran or whatever. <laughs> it was just her. Just that her, love. That okay. love, yes. you know. And uh, she also packed my bag to go to the Philippines, and she called me every single day. And when I was in the Philippines at 6 p.m., like asking me how I'm doing and missing her and the situation with her neighborhood being bombed, you know, so we tried keeping that relationship going. But obviously, when I was in the Philippines, I was with some friends that we all wanted to do is to party and enjoy it. So my sort of feelings for her started becoming Detached. I was becoming more detached from her, but she was the one that helped me sort of feel more, you know, more confident. And other times I lied about it. Sometimes I lied that I had to like enter a burning house of my neighbor, <laughs> and I got these cars to just help like my neighbors. So <laughs> people that don't know me, I lied to them. I do want to, you know, and uh, so. I mean, but you lied
0: because you were ashamed that you created this accident. I just wanted locals. to So like, you were just playing around. I
1: playing around, you, playing you know, around. and just with people that you meet randomly and they tell you like, you know, just to like, you know, but um, to your question, I, it was uh, this girl Munira that, that like helped me get through it in the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. then when I came back to Malta. I mean, people knew that I was in an accident and whatnot. And when people ask, I just explain and there's a story to tell, basically. Um, uh, that's it. Yeah, it would.
0: So then what was the next step after Malta? I think you went to Argentina. Uh,
1: when I was in Malta, then I was working in, uh, at Sirens We took over Alido, me and a friend of mine, and we, we worked during summer. And that was my last place that I decided that I need to get out of hospitality. I was working a lot of hours and it sucked out everything all my energy. I had gained a lot of weight and uh, I I wanted to 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 leave Malta. You know, I wanted to leave the lifestyle. I wanted to escape my group of friends, you know, like I love my friends, don't take me wrong. And uh, we've been through a lot together, but I needed to really break free. And I thought that purchasing a ticket on the other side of the world would um, uh, help me break free from what I was feeling on the inside. Um, uh, And I had an opportunity to go visit a friend of mine, which was living in the north of Argentina. And until then, I didn't know what else I'm going to do. You know, I was just going to, I sold everything and I was going to immigrate. My mission is to go to Mendoza to learn how to cultivate wine and like save up money, maybe buy a piece of land. This was my dream, you know, to like learn more about wine and the culture and whatnot. But um, a week before I left, a friend of mine introduced me to the boss then that I had in Argentina and uh, he he um, the opportunity fell in perfectly. He needed someone to take care of his property. Um, uh, so a good opportunity came for me to be settled at a full time job working for a Maltese guy, which had some properties in Argentina and whatnot, and uh, over there. I moved to Argentina. So I was literally on my own um, after I left my friend after the holidays. I went to my job in Buenos Aires and over there I was on my own. Like so as soon as I arrived I was collected by a, a normal Argentinian guy that ha- that was working for my boss had no English experience like full on Spanish as soon as I arrived speaking to me in Spanish and all I could say was some words in Italian to like sort of communicate. And then I was using Google Translate a lot, constantly like Google Translate. And uh, so like there was all this thing. So I'm literally on my own language barrier and uh, trying to find my feet and make myself comfortable into this full time that I'm going to start um, doing. And uh, thankfully enough, um, I settled in. My boss gave me my own car and I was free more to do what I wanted to do. And the first thing that I wanted to do when I was free to drive and I had my license, whatever, was to get in contact with a DJ which I knew had come to Malta and he had a club in Buenos Aires and we got in touch and I started frequently going to his club. It was an underground techno club, very dark i used to go there on a friday night and go back home on a sunday morning we used to sleep on the mattress in his office it was like very heavy you know very very heavy and i was realizing that i went back to like sort of the heavy party lifestyle that i was like back into so although i passed through all those experiences still i wasn't like still Surrendering, and you know what? I mean, this is how it happens, I guess. And uh, I started becoming homesick. And uh, where I was living in Argentina, it was like um, a massive big plot, like a, a block of a lot of villas, but all gated. So you enter through security, then you just drive like another 10 minutes until you arrive to your place. And then when when I entered this gate and you start driving, like when I used to drive on a Sunday morning, going back home, like recovering, whatever. Um, uh, I used to see like people setting up like outside for mass, for Sunday mass. And I used to see it beautiful, you know, under the trees and like like with animals, like sheep, dogs, you know, all these like like pigs, everything they had running around it was a farm. Then they used to celebrate Mass over there, and uh, during the period of me feeling homesick, which I was hiding from my parents is uh, came to me like let's let me try and go to mass let me go and see and i started going on a sunday over there sitting at the back after the club <laughs> no, no but, uh, sometimes yes, eh? but um, but then I decided not to because of money and it was sixty-kilometer drive to go to the club, so it wasn't like I was going every weekend, every other weekend, you know. But um, I realized that it's not good for my pocket, <laughs> going and doing this, and uh, I was feeling, you know, and uh, so I started going there on a Sunday, and uh, in a matter of. times me attending they make me feel welcomed and uh, I was very excited to tell my parents this that I am attending mass, and I feel like you know they're help. I'm helping them with with even the service, like collecting the change or whatever, setting up the chairs. People, some of them would want to practice their English, so they were speaking English with me. Some of them invited me to dinners, so I was becoming making friends with family orientated people that work on a farm and whatnot, and. Uh, and then my birthday came and I, my dad, we were on Skype and he's like, listen, there's World Youth Day happening happening in Rio de Janeiro. So we're talking about three, six, nine years ago this, because it was three World Youth Day ago. It so happens every three years. And I'm like, what's World Youth Day? And uh, before I did the research on all this of World Youth Day, there was the change in the Pope. There was, you remember, Benedetto mm-hmm. um, uh, had come down and uh, immediately Pope Francis had come up. And uh, Pope Francis was Argentinian. So when that happened, I received a phone call from who used to work with me on the farm that the Pope was the guy that used to visit her sick, dying dad every month. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, this Pope used to come to visit. So there was like, you know, I know this woman that the Pope, you know what I mean? And uh, so I started and I started following Pope Francis because um, uh, just like randomly. And then that's why my dad told me, listen, Pope Francis is, is going to be in Rio de Janeiro at the World Youth Day. I'm like, what's World Youth Day? And I did the research and it was this um, big massive like event that um, John Paul II started organizing for the youths to get all the youths together and create this. There will be a, a team, or am um, uh, done and uh, this team was discipleship I think it was of uh, Pope Francis and uh, I'm like yeah sure free trip to Rio de Janeiro why not you know and uh, it was only like a three-hour route to São Paulo, and then a bus, small bus ride to Rio de Janeiro and um, uh, a few days before I got in touch with people from KDZ which are like the Maltese that were going up to to were due today and they welcomed me to a crash with them where they were staying at like nuns, convents and whatnot. And for me, it was just me buzzing. I'm in Rio. I'm like, I want to get a day that I go around, you know? So it wasn't spiritual whatsoever. But um, during this week, I obviously had to attend with the Maltese the events that were lined up till the weekend, till the Pope arrives to Rio. And, uh, st- the work started happening, you know what I mean? I was seeing like people praising and playing fun acoustic music, praising the Lord. I was like, how different this Christianity is over here, you know? In South America, they're more like um, loud and how they praise and how they celebrate mass. wasn't like here in Malta, very cold, very like not intimate, you know? I was like, you know, it started happening. And then uh, Saturday the Pope came to he made his appearance before there was a lineup of people giving their testimonies of how God entered their life and how they were saved and they had a near that experience and this and this and this and uh, it gave me it made me think in my sort of experience with the fire and that and that moment that I felt like sort of... God trying to reach out to me, like, you know, when I fell on my knees trying to, you know, and uh, it made me reflect. And then the Pope came, um, got up and he prayed with us, you know, and uh, I remember him praying this simple prayer. Like he he told us to imagine that our heart is um, uh, like our heart being dry. Like if our heart is dry soil to find that patch where the word of God, the love of God can fall as a seed into that like healthy patch and grow and something happened. Over there, like, I felt like um, overwhelmed. I started crying a lot. Um, I was cuddled up with a friend of mine and we were hearing the translation of the prayer together and the rain falling on Copacabana beach. Like imagine like she's 6.5 million people on this beach. Everyone squashed together, flags everywhere, different nationalities. There was this huge atmosphere, you know? Everyone's just like praising God and you just get into it, you know? And over there, I felt like, now I, later I found out what it was, and I felt like the Holy Spirit starting the cleansing process within my heart. And I started crying and crying and getting these moments where I felt so guilty. And then I felt like God's hug. And then, you know, there a lot of mixed emotions. And I went on a high, on a high that no drug ever gave me, you know? I went crazy. I remember then like when all this happened, I was like so excited, like hugging everyone. I went, bought shabba pizzas, bought shabba beers, like making friends with, it was like, insane like that experience and uh, it fueled me up you know and uh, the next day then there was the mass celebrated with the Pope it was the last day of World Day and uh, then the Eucharist like the body of Christ really played a very important role in my conversion where um, I remember queuing for 20 minutes to receive the host during mass on in the heat of the beach like everyone on the beach like and uh, as soon as I got the host, I ran back into my, on my towel. I found my towel, fell down on my knees, and I started feeling my heart thumping. It's like I took ecstasy, on a, it was like that, you know. It was it, you, you smile, but it, it's actually. Then, which I learned, because then everything starts being revealed, that is what the hook that God used for me to start consuming Him in the form of the Eucharist, you know? Because then I was like, oh my God, I never felt this emotion with the Eucharist. I want this more, I want this more. So then I was looking forward to go back to Buenos Aires to find the closest chapel, to start going to Mass to get that emotion again, you know? So then, I moved back to Buenos Aires and the closest chapel was a 45 minute walk like you know and uh, I remember I had my van broken down there were a lot of things which I couldn't were trying to weaver me not from going to that is another thing but I started walking to go to mass and I was feeling that emotion that emotion but that started fading away but then like friends were coming people from the ch- from the church were approaching from the parish I was being more involved and uh, what's not and uh, over there i wanted to serve you know and uh, so then argentina became a different for me from a block away from where i was living there was this small chapel that used to open up every saturday for the kids of the streets and uh, there was this woman pocha that she needed help with like feeding kids from the barrio you know and uh, i started serving over there And uh, her nephew was fluent in English speaking. Please note my Spanish improved and everything like, you know. And uh, her nephew was fluent in English and uh, he was also at World Youth Day. And then I went to World Youth uh, He took me to his community. And then over there, I dove into deeper, like who God is, who Christ is. And then it started.
0: I find it really beautiful, and I can relate a lot to that. It's like as soon as we have that experience of the joy of being connected spiritually, mm. the next step is like, I want to serve. Mm. they They come together, and it's so beautiful That's that. True. That is actually, when you know you have that blessing, it's like, now I want to give back and yeah, I want to serve. And,
1: it's true, it's true. You know,
0: actually, I never heard that story of you serving in the church with the, uh, the street kids. That must have been a really beautiful experience. Yes,
1: yes. We used to do also, um, uh, the other community, we used to go out every... Uh, Friday evening with um, thermos filled with soups, we used to go in the city of Buenos Aires with sandwiches, feeding the people in the streets and just sitting down with them, maybe saying saying a decade of rosary, praying on them, praying on the people which are sick, seeing like miracles happening because this is crazy, like imagine like us, like just like kids, we used to meet like at the park. we used to meet at a place where we used to prepare the sandwiches, prepare the soup and whatnot. Then we go out, we have the meeting point and time where we meet back into this park and then disperse around Buenos Aires and uh, there used to be praying over on like people that can't walk and you see them walking again like we were doing actually like wh- how jesus used to like you know it was it was beautiful argentina buenos aires and uh, that experience for me it was a gift from god you know so then you realize that why Argentina? From all the world, why do you want to go to Argentina? You know, and then a the Pope is from Argentina, and then you know, so a lot of things started fall into place, and uh, and you start realizing. But yeah, like service was um, uh, God will start using you to to reach out to to His people, which are lost and need to hear it. You know, and I still serve till today. You know. I go every two weeks to San Blas um, uh, and uh, I just do friendship evangelization where um, uh, there's a huge, massive darkness here in Malta on drug addicts. I mean, drug addicts are nothing different from people which aren't addicts to something else. You know, we have, and I tell them this, I'm like, listen, because you're an addict to a drug, it doesn't make you different from someone addict addict to shopping or addict to net Netflix or addicts to whatever, like work, you know, or cigarettes or alcohol, you know, but um, on particularly the the Mount Carmel and uh, drug usage, there's a huge veil of darkness where the evil is taking over. Eh? Like I hear a lot of stories, but then this, this mission that I am on, it's like, we see a lot of light also breaking through. But I still serve t- today at San voluntarily. voluntarily.
0: Yeah, I'm happy you brought up this issue, you know, because, I mean, we met mm-hmm. many years ago in a party scene. We used to party together. Taking tequila
1: in <laughs> London in Camden. <laughs> yes. That was the first time yes. with dreadlocks, remember? Yes, yes. Te- you were getting no, I think tequila it was shots. Earlier
0: actually, than that. Oh. It was before the dreads, I think.
1: But I I it, you, you had dreads in London when we met at Camden once we went at Camden with Matto, Charlie I
0: can't remember to be honest <laughs> My memory of those days is a little bit hazy. But, <laughs> but I, I'm sure I had your remember. But anyway, I mean... Over there, I, you know, you are- we, we, we met at a time and we connected in that way of partying, mm. drinking, yeah. X, Y, Z. And mm-hmm. we both sort of found this different part in life through our yeah. spirituality. And now yeah. we connect in a completely different way. Yeah. But I think something that, you know, I feel very strongly is that I wouldn't have been able to step out of my addictions without... My spirituality mm-hmm. and I think you know we live in such a materialistic world mm-hmm. as you say you know like we're we're kind of when we're young it's very easy for us to reject the religion of our parents mm-hmm. maybe we can't relate to it until we have our own experience mm-hmm. and the only thing you have then is like career success mm-hmm. you know status yeah. power yeah. these kind of things yeah, and. Yeah. Mostly those lead us to the part of addiction, because these things, once you get that satisfaction out of alcohol, then Mm. you need to take that satisfaction Mm. again out of alcohol. In fact, you said it, like when you got that joy from receiving the Holy Communion, you Mm. wanted it again from the Holy Communion. It's like psychologically, when something makes us happy, we want more of it, even if that... Happiness In the long term is actually making us sad <laughs> yeah. And I think this is really An issue for our generation Especially because our parents They still have that For the most part That religious mm-hmm. faith and culture And our mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. Of course there are still people have it But many don't Many have mm-hmm. rejected religion And I think it's really a problem That we yeah. face of like How can we bring this message of connection Into yeah.
1: Yeah. these
0: kind of, yeah.
1: in, in these kind of spaces. I know, and uh, the space, like, when I moved back, I was desperately to find, no, so when I was in Argentina, my I had gotten my document stolen from a pilgrimage, <laughs> and uh, I had to move to Malta in a nutshell, and uh, I didn't want to move, and... My dad came and he's like, listen, look, I need you here. I've got cancer and whatnot. So that was a point where I then left Argentina. But just so quickly, i so our listeners can sort of then. I was desperate to find a job and to continue with where you're saying getting spirituality into a space. You had gotten for me the the, the spirituality into workplace. You know, I remember you had just started off with the Grasse Hopper. And uh, I went to Ameline, I'm like, "Emeline, like, is there a way I can get a job with you guys? Like, I want to work with you because you're my friend and I just don't want to go into catering full on because that's all I knew, you know, it was that all I had in my resume was hospitality industry. And uh, I, I'm sure I, br- I could bring value to the grasshopper. And uh, you happily accepted and uh, The first thing I saw in that van was a space where there's an incense and there's like, you know, an area for a candle. (laughs) And I was like, all right, you know what I mean? And then I was like seeing you that every time we close the end of day sales, you used to like offer it like, and I was like always noticing, noticing. In the meantime, I'm still getting deep in my relationship with God. I had gotten my foot back into the community here that I'm part of, the Catholic youth community I'm in. So, but you started showing me a different way of how to incorporate God in our everyday life. And... Over there, Grassy Hopper had learned a lot, you know, and uh, you also had helped my dad, remember, I had come to you and uh, my dad had a couple of more years then, you know, he had healed from that cancer and his bladder, but then there was another hidden cancer. But um, uh, it was amazing, eh? Grassy Hopper, for me, um uh, it, it was the other part where, you know what I mean, that I needed more depth. You know, used to let us like put scripture quotes over the tiles. You know, it was like spiritually haven place to work in, like healthy food. You know, no, you know what I mean? It was for me, that was where I cleansed myself from all the food it was a cleansing process, physically, Graciel And spiritually, it was the missing link for me to incorporate God in my day-to-day job, you know, because um, you don't find it anywhere, except where I am now, because obviously Andrew is part of the community and we pray together, so there's a lot of spirituality where I work now. But um, with you, it was, uh, you know... Thank you.
0: I mean, it's nice to hear, you know, that Graciel Hopper was received in that way that I set out to create it because I started grassy as a result of my spiritual experience Mm -hmm. that I had that same experience when I was in Bali Mm -hmm. where I had this you know moment of such so much love that I felt that I remember thinking in this moment that I would bear any pain to spread love in this in this world yeah and then came the next thing of like, I also had to come back to Malta and, and think what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I remember thinking that I want my work to be a reflection of my desire to serve. I don't want to spend eight hours a day working in something I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm tired and I have to squeeze in the things that I really love doing at mm-hmm. the end of it. Mm-hmm. So Gracie was created with this intention to reflect, you know, my mm-hmm. my heart. So it was actually a very beautiful time that we shared there, and I remember, yeah. you know, you starting work, lighting your candle and mm-hmm. saying a prayer, and I think something so important for our spiritual lives, especially in the beginning, is that community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that actually, as a Catholic in Malta, is much easier to find than if you practice any other religion, mm-hmm. or even if you're just a spiritual practitioner that yeah, is yeah. not tied to a particular religion. Um, and that is something I think that we each as people who have experienced this taste of such a, you know, of, of the joy of spirituality. We need to extend that hand across no matter what religion people come from. You know, you and I connected even mm. though, you know, I follow a different practice to what you practice. And You've taught
1: me a lot that my spiritual teacher hasn't taught me and we always, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, something that's very missing. And I understand it as well, because when I first... You've taught me
1: forgiveness. (laughs) You've taught me forgiveness.
0: That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. (laughs)
1: And uh, I am very grateful for that, because you had really... Yeah, but anyways... (laughs) She's yeah, the just, queen of forgiveness, yes. <laughs> that's I'm quite, telling that's, you. That's
0: a bit, bit too much of a high title for me, I think. Well, I think you know, it's it's like when I first got into spirituality. You
1: She's get, blushing just so you know, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just say this. <laughs> I need to distract. Okay. Um, no, it's like when I when I got first into spirituality. You know, I came to spirituality through yoga and meditation and. And when you you experience the shift, you can get a bit dogmatic, you know, and you do think like, ah, oh, this is the only way, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. it was the only way for me. Yeah. And I think you know, a mature spirituality is a spirituality that doesn't see those boundaries, yeah. you know. And I think if we can think of people like Jesus and yeah. Rumi and Saint John and Saint mm-hmm. Ther- like they didn't have Therese. these boundaries mm-hmm. in their mind. Yeah. In fact, like Saint Therese and Saint John both got kicked out mm-hmm. from their mm-hmm. monasteries, mm-hmm, you know, because they. Didn't didn't stick to the law
1: mm-hmm. of
0: like this is the doctrine, is yeah, the, the dogma. Yeah. I think,
1: and even that's why the Pope stepped down because he was realizing that he 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 he's not in an age where his. He's very wise and he has very beautiful, deep writings, but we needed Pope Francis. And Pope Francis came along with me. I love Saint Francis of Assisi, Um, the fact that I am plant-based vegan and he was an animal lover. I can really relate to him, you know. And uh, also you see Pope Francis traveling all over the world, meeting spiritual leaders from all over the world, from different dominations. So so there's time for us to find space for love. For love, sure. love, 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 love. And that's all he, he wants to, yes. he's not...
0: I think his message is like way more open-minded, obviously, than any yeah. other Pope. That yeah. he's, he's a Pope that really talks about unity. And yeah. he really, for me, you know, he really, his message is is very pure. Mm-hmm. You know, that love, that forgiveness, that from, you know, I never knew Jesus, but from what I understand and mm-hmm. what I imagine him to be was a person that didn't have those kind of boundaries that would love any being mm-hmm. and and really broke down those boundaries of society of like, no. you can't go to the prostitute or you can't go to this yeah. one or that one. And I think in this age, like we as people who have tasted this spiritual connection, we need to mm-hmm. step up and step out of this like cage and just extend a hand to each other exactly. and, and love each other and get inspired by each other and mm-hmm. that's, you know, something that our friendship really brings to my yeah. life yeah. because that is the real beauty of mm-hmm. humanity, right? That in all our differences we come to that yeah. underlying spiritual message of let's see the good in each other and exactly. let's love each other.
1: Mala, Mala. Right, cool.
0: So thank you for that.
1: And thank you also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... After Grassy, like, are there any, you know, I always <clears throat> talk on this podcast about the challenges that bring us closer to our spirit and life is full of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can think of a few that you've been through since your time in Malta, but were there any that really brought you closer to, to God in that way?
1: Um, uh, it was my dad, um, but then um, another experience that we passed through as a family Uh, First of all, I was seeing God's hand being so faithful to what I exactly prayed for, to be so faithful and deliver. (laughs) I mean, I can say that I am very blessed with a very beautiful wife, you know, and... uh, and I am also blessed with a really cute little baby, Raphael, he's 11 months, and we're expecting our second one in a few weeks to come. So like the fear of me not being too able to be fruitful, for example, and have kids, or not finding the woman of my life that I'm going to like live my life with, God has been faithful, and like over there, every day you will see a mini blessing happening you know if we are aware and not you know what i mean if you were but um uh, during this period the the biggest thing that affected me then it was my losing my dad i i i had um after my dad had his cancer and his bladder and he managed to heal and he lost over 38 kilos in less than a year and uh, on an alkalizing diet, and the doctors were very happy, and they're like, keep on doing what you're doing. You know, there was a cancer which had taken over his uh, his liver, um, uh, and this came from a, a, um, a medication that he was taking for over 15 years from an illness that he had a while back okay just so people get into the picture and um, i really had faith that god is going to use me as an instrument um that he's going to manage to take over this cancer and heal him and in fact i started video documenting it because i'm like god is going to heal him and this i need to share it with the world you know like so i started documenting but um uh, things started getting worse you know and uh, with obviously having spiritual guidance i didn't want to sort of get angry towards god but i wanted to to keep on still praying and having faith till the last minute you know and uh, over there as a family we became much more um, connected obviously and uh, i've shared some amazing moments with my dad when i moved back to malta you know he wanted to share this amazing story that he managed to heal himself with food and uh, living a healthier lifestyle that he created a tv show also which now it's run by me and my mom uh, called better living and that was about a healthy lifestyle magazine program so we connected over there we had a lot of time working together in the kitchen on on the on the set so it was fun and uh, but when the process when he was um, uh, dying you know and uh, the last few days in hospital uh, I can say that I saw again the hand of God working, you know. Um, when my dad took his last few breaths, he died. I think it was like 1.40 a.m. on tenth of January, and we did like till two, or like twenty minutes, just like there in his presence, me, my mom, and my sister, just looking at him and basking in the energy of. God's spirit and my dad's spirit just hugging us like we just felt like the curtains and I felt like we were in this like cotton hug of like we couldn't move we were stuck there we couldn't like go tell the nurse we could do nothing like you just like people that were near us in the next bed like we they were all so spiritual we prayed together they were like vanished for me you know and that moment those 20 minutes um it was the only way that my dad could communicate to us, you know, his body was dead and his spirit was soaring, you know. And in that moment, he was just speaking to me in my heart, like, Luke, like, continue what you're doing. Like, I'm going somewhere like he was just filling me with joy that oh, there is. A god, there is a heaven. Like my dad is going there. Like I was, I just was feeling this. I can't explain it to you guys, but um, uh, this is my personal thing. Like no one, none of us burst out crying. N- none of us burst out crying, you know. And we we were just like, basking in this energy, and and uh, over there, I again, I got this. Um, uh, Understanding of life after death, you know, the, 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 you know, and even his funeral was a celebration of life, you know, it was. I never thought that like, I'll manage to organize all the funeral and everything will fall into place, you know. He had a lot of people that loved him. The church was packed with people and it was literally a celebration of life, you know. And uh, over there, God spoke to me again and showed me that, listen, look, you know, keep on doing what you're doing, sort of, you know. I, I don't always do it perfectly, obviously. I'm always um, uh, forgetting sometimes this emotion. But thanks to this podcast today, I'm uh, remembering this emotion and this feeling that I felt inside. Um, uh, that was, again, God's, uh, you know, speaking over there.
0: Thank you, And That was so beautiful. It, um, I can totally relate to, to what you're saying. And I, I had some experiences... You know, with people passing away, that it's like, as you said, you know, you can either be angry at God or you can surrender to God's Mm -hmm. will and understand that at the end of the day, life is not up to us to say how it should be, right? There is a higher power than us and Mm -hmm. our only right is to surrender to that flow instead mm-hmm. of think that we should be the boss <laughs> of yeah. of our life and yeah, i think when course. you when you do surrender and even if it is you know losing a loved one or whatever it may be mm-hmm. when we have that surrender mm-hmm. we get so filled you know with this positive energy with mm-hmm. this peace of mind and this love in our heart and you know in in that extreme moment it's really easy or not really easy but Sort of the choice is more clear mm-hmm. of like fight or surrender, but mm-hmm. actually, we have that choice in every moment of every day of like, do we fight life mm-hmm. or do we just surrender and mm-hmm. and be at peace and create peace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like life needs to remind us because it's yeah. so easy to just get caught up in our day to day life and not live that highest potential. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Those kind of challenges force us to really make a choice.
1: I know, I know. And, uh, God is there to yoke, to be our yoke, to to help us. You know, like being spiritual or being connected to God and having a good relationship with Him. It isn't about about not feeling any pain. It's just like having Him to help us carry that burden. You know, which we He never wanted us to carry it, you know, he never wanted my dad to get ill, obviously, and uh, it was because our decisions in our past which got my dad where he was on that dead bed, you know, so and then when he passed away, it was, he needed to be freed from that pain that he was having, you know, so uh, it takes a lot of wisdom and light to, to understand that, uh, not everyone can, can un- get it. Yes, for sure. And that is a gift <coughs> that we that we have.
0: Um, I'd really like to like sort of not end because we still have a few more minutes, but like bring the the podcast to this to this question of what it means to be a man nowadays, you know, spiritually and consciously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Funnily enough, I was having another podcast yesterday, which was like very much about what it means to be a woman spiritually in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to just get your take because I think there is a little bit of a crisis of both femininity and masculinity Mm -hmm. and that we've lost our way to know like what is the best way right like what is our best strengths what is our weaknesses and how can we be balanced and have peace of mind and have love in our lives and Mm -hmm. you know the feminine has its own problems um but you being a man and and being someone who has really changed your way of life from maybe what is kind of the norm to something Mm -hmm. a little bit different Mm -hmm. like what do you think are the struggles and I know you're very passionate about porn addiction also Mm -hmm. and you know, this is I think a, a big challenge for, mm-hmm. for masculinity.
1: Like
0: yeah. what do you see are some of the main problems and challenges to be a man and yeah. what do you think is, is the solution?
1: Yeah. No, um uh, my biggest problem wasn't that I won't be accepted by the crowd. I didn't give two cents about what people will think about me on this journey. It was me and my Abba Father God know about each other, you know, what he knows about me you know that others don't know and uh, that was my my porn addiction and uh, so you had sort of
0: this so i'm just gonna mm -hmm. bring it out because i think this is a very common thing is that we feel ashamed and that we're not worthy of god's love because Uh of certain things we've done in our life
1: yes um so before god started soaking my heart into his love i never saw porn at something bad You know, everyone was doing it. It became a habit. Um, For me in Argentina, it had gotten even worse, you know, um, uh, until I went to World Youth Day. And uh, when I came back to Buenos Aires and I was bored on one day, I went automatically like a robot switched on my laptop and my fingers automatically typed in the porn site. And all of a sudden I was like, (gasps) I felt this is not right. I just felt dirty. It was my first time. You always, when, when a guy does porn and, you know, even women do porn, they don't do it so openly and, you know, so it's always hidden and you know it's wrong and there's that. But I never felt like I'm doing something bad to myself more than anything or to anyone else in that matter. I mean, I but think a
0: lot of people don't see it as something wrong also.
1: Mm-hmm. No, right? In and our I,
0: society nowadays, it's kind of that belief of like, yeah. you know.
1: No, no, no. And and in fact, through my work that I've started on, like a community that I'm trying to build the awareness on social media, I started learning a lot of things. And when that happened, when uh, I closed off my laptop, I prayed. I'm like, God, like, (laughs) help me. Like, I don't know what to do, like, how to overcome this and uh, it was social media that helped me also i was flipping to like twitter or something very randomly and uh, i saw a hashtag um porn kills love uh hashtag fight, fight the new drug and uh, I clicked and uh, I came against this um, uh, NGO which they support um, people which are trying to fight porn addiction. And in a matter of weeks, I hopped on, on one of their like fighters on Skype and she sent me all material tools that I need to start fighting this addiction, you know. And uh, I failed. though. Oh, <laughs> I failed, I failed, I failed because I wasn't... I am, um, involving God in it, you know, a lot, you know, so it was much more like logically why I should um, stop this and whatnot. But um, uh, with a lot of time and process and healing and surrender, I came to a point where I can see I am porn free, you know, um, uh, and it came I worked mostly on it in the last few months of my marriage, you know. So Maria knew that I had a very, very bad porn addiction, and uh, that in my thoughts I'm still struggling with it, you know. And um, so I had stopped the masturbating, you know. I had stopped it for a, a long time masturbating. So, um, uh, so this was before marriage, you know, and. Uh, Me and Maria, when we met and we fell in love, we obviously didn't want to have sex before marriage. We saw it fit to fall into when us become one in union, you know? And uh, we wanted it different also because I wanted her to be different and it to be different you know so and that thank god like the sacrifice that we had because it was a huge huge sacrifice and um, it reaped a lot of fruit obviously but um in the last t- in the last few months when i was struggling with it porn um uh, I needed more God to intercede and, uh, and, and free me from it and do uh, with a lot of support and tools out there, I, I, I freed myself from the addiction. And then when we got married, I started seeing the side effects, one of the many side effects that porn gets, which was when we came to make love. You know, it was um, it was a huge challenge because um, uh, all I knew was sex scenes, porn scenes. You know, so what turned me on didn't turn Maria on. You know, or invite. You know, so so imagine us like we're trying to have that cherry on the cake of us showing love to each other and union of bodies and uh, i was struggling because i was seeing her as an object or a sexual being I you know so and then through that and her patience and her love and god and more prayer and whatnot i then got free from that also you know and it came b- with us praying before having sex, you know, following other couples which pass through the same thing. There's a lot of inspirational couples which um, run youth ministries abroad that are passed through the same issues. And uh, over there I got uh, free again. What was the question? Did I waver? I
0: forgot. It's like what's, you know, you answered it, you know. What Poor my question was, was the it's very difficult to be a man yeah, yeah, nowadays, yeah. Yes, right? Yes. especially a conscious man, a spiritual man, someone yeah, exactly. that wants to come exactly, yeah. into a relationship consciously. And, you know, there are many challenges, but you obviously mentioned this particular one, which, yes. I mean, I really salute you because it's really brave to kind of open up on such an intimate issue, you know, and really mm-hmm. go into this detail that you just right. shared. But great, you know, because we need to hear these stories yeah. and other people out there who might be listening, like this is how we get free Mm -hmm. right by like really facing it and being honest about our weaknesses like if we don't do that then we're never going to be free and and having the strength to just say you know this is an action that I'm not proud of and that I could be better I Mm -hmm. think takes a lot of strength and and you know you're very lucky to have such a supportive wife Mm -hmm. who really helps you to be the best version of yourself I Mm -hmm. think it's You guys really inspire me as a couple and and even what you've done you know to abstain before your marriage i think is is really a dying art like it's not something Mm -hmm. that you see very common in our generation Mm -hmm. we've really we've gone really to the other extreme you know Mm -hmm. where sex has become something that we just do really without much thought you know a lot of people just have one night stands or just like have sex very on in their relationships and You know, in the part of yoga, there is also a teaching of, um, it's called brahmacharya, where you basically are very conscious of using your sexual energy, that you don't just use your sexual energy here, there and everywhere. And Mm -hmm. they also... Um, if you go back really in the tradition, mm-hmm. abstain before marriage. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we really go back to our traditions, many cultures had the same tradition and mm-hmm. we've rejected a lot of them, but without really understanding why those traditions were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I grew up as, you know, yeah. I remember, you know, wanting to lose my virginity because It was something that like, if you lose your virginity really late, you're a nerd and you're a geek and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like a a thing when we were younger of like, if you're not having sex, you're a loser kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know. So we've really gone from like, in one generation, really, this culture of like being very protective over who is that person that you're going to share that union Mm -hmm. with to Mm -hmm. suddenly, like union really doesn't mean that much because we're doing it here, there and everywhere. So I really salute you and it was such a pleasure to come to your wedding, you know, and, and mm. know that this wedding was, you know, really something that both of you took so seriously and you sacrificed for that union. And mm. I think it's it's really something beautiful that that is, is a great, you know hopefully inspiration to others I'm sure many people would see that and not understand it Mm -hmm. um, but that's okay you know sometimes just you know having that different model is Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. even if it's not maybe understood by most people
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a journey eh, I guess for everyone and uh, go within podcast I mean I went within okay not on my own holding God's hands you know or having him at my back and i keep on going deeper and deeper and deeper i mean until we arrive to the point that we you know then (laughs) move on to our next life i guess say
0: yeah but it's it's beautiful you know to also have that fulfillment of becoming a better person you know because Mm. for me and i'm sure you can relate to this every time i manage to cleanse myself of a of a way of being that wasn't really serving me Mm -hmm. in my core as a human being, Mm -hmm. as a human spirit and soul, that fulfillment that I got Mm -hmm. was just so much greater than, as you said, any drug, any car or any anything you mm-hmm. know materially that I could get that mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. is is really a fulfilling feeling and I think this is why we have so much anxiety and so much depression and so much stress yeah. partly because we're stuck from like really being able to grow and I think one of the reasons for that I mean you know this is going to maybe take this conversation in a whole other direction but we've kind of lost this measure of what is right and what is wrong
1: yeah
0: you know, before scripture gave us what is yeah. right and what is wrong and yeah. our mediators, were they priests or rabbis or whoever yeah. they would try to help us understand what is right and what is wrong and yeah. now we've rejected that and everyone has their own right and wrong yeah. and right is what you feel like it yeah. and I think that is a very big problem because yeah. what we feel like doing often comes from an inner darkness or from our ego or from yeah. an unnatural place and you know not being able to have that measure of what is right and what is wrong mm-hmm. is i think leading us astray in a very uh hardcore way
1: yes amen <laughs> <laughs> it's true thank you no i'm blessed with my community you know being part of a community helps you know even you to your community like sticking together and uh, d- the united we stand or divided we fall you know like the same like with a coal when the coal is together with the other coal it keeps on burning when you remove the coal from the other coal it's you know i, I like sure. thinking I think, of that
0: you know one of the i'm a big really huge believer in need that people need to find spiritual community mm-hmm. um, and i think one of the the things is that we're human and we're weak and mm-hmm. As much as God is always there for us and we can turn to that spirit anytime, Mm -hmm. very often we don't because of our weakness and we get stuck in this darkness. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, having partners or friends who can just see you when you're struggling and just say like, hey, Mm -hmm. reach out, like, come, I'm going to come to your house and pick you up and we're going to go pray or meditate or whatever it may be. I think when you have friends like that, who yeah. see you in your darkness and don't judge you for it, but mm-hmm. they just offer you that hand, yeah. I think is is really a blessing. So yes. to anyone listening, uh, seek seek out that community.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> when you actually start to seek it, you'll find that there, it is there below That's the cool. surface sometimes. Thank you, Luke.
1: Thank you, yes, yeah, for having me. Talks is there another. any
0: any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? I don't know, maybe sometimes <laughs> I do like to ask people to recommend like either a practice or a book or something that touched your life that you feel could help other people out there. Many people are they're alone, they're on this go-within journey, they're trying to go within. It is a struggle, and sometimes, you know, just mm-hmm. that one phrase or that one book can really help us unstick ourselves.
1: Uh, There's a lot of things that I can recommend, obviously, Um, uh, but I'm I'm just like envisioning in front of me the youth that I come across with through some blogs that I mentioned, and uh, you only meet them for a few times for a moment, so it's like you need to really make an impact on them. And uh, what what I always um, suggest to them is that uh, if you really, really, really not like really a ma fake really, the really deep within darkness room of your being like you really want to encounter and find out if god is real or or find or meet and encounter the one or find the truth you know um, uh, just ask just ask humbly and uh, and then let the process take its course you know cuz uh, god wants his children to come to him you know and um, to to hug to love to support to provide you know he can provide so much and uh, but he loves you so much that you are free to 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 do whatever you want you know so but if you'd really deeply want to encounter him he'll use anything from a bumper sticker to a billboard <laughs> to a post on facebook you know to a friend passing a comment you know he will use anything just like ask for it and it will be given to you
0: thank you luke that was beautiful very very powerful and very very true Mm -hmm. thank you thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing your story with us in such a brave and open-hearted way i appreciate it and thank you as always to our listeners i also appreciate you for listening and for being interested in the inner journey I always say on this podcast, it's something that we really need more of in our life to go within. And it takes a certain bravery to really look at your life and look at yourself and see where you can be better. So I salute you all. Thank you for listening. I humbly request you to share this episode with anyone that you feel might be touched by this uh, conversation. For anyone that you feel is maybe needs that little bit of inspirational support on their own inner journey thank you as always and see you next time